You're listening to a 95BFM podcast. This is The Green Desk on 95BFM. A couple of months ago, Te Papa Atafai, the Department of Conservation, released its long-term insights briefing focused on how emerging technologies can solve some of New Zealand's gnarliest biodiversity problems. To get the lowdown on the emerging tech, I spoke with Mike Bunce, the Department of Conservation's Chief Science Advisor, about some of the tech his organisation sees as game changers when it comes to taking care of our land. So the long-term insights briefing uh, focused on three key technologies or three major areas and these are not the only ways of listening to nature and making good decisions but they are three that are kind of emerging for us. We're already doing bits of them but they're not cemented into the system. So the three areas we're looking at remote sensing. What does that term mean? It means I guess listening to nature from afar. It could be everything from satellite imagery of, um, of cyclone impacted areas Um, It could be using drones or night vision footage. It could be using um, buoys that are deployed in our rivers or lakes to detect certain levels of nutrients and when they might spike. So that was the first one, remote sensing, how we use technology from afar or at a distance to listen to nature. The second um, area was around using genetic technologies, and that is using the power of DNA to figure out what is there and, and what we can do about what's there that we don't want to be there anymore. So an example of that being environmental DNA technologies where we can take a litre of something like river water and using the genetic breadcrumbs that all the organisms deposit into the environment when they're moving through it, so we're constantly shedding DNA. So we can capture that as we filter about a litre of water and find all the fish that are in a river or all the algae, or all the invertebrates, um, crustaceans, birds, mammals that aren't supposed to be there. And so that's another way of listening to nature, and it's looking at all the interconnectedness between all the different arms of life that are in there. And the third and final arm of the LTIB was around using artificial intelligence or AI tools. Now, when we talk about this, it can mean many different things, but really we're just saying you know, what what machine learning, what programs are out there that can find patterns in environmental data that are not easy to spot by people just looking at it. And that could be using information from, from cameras to identify things like fish or mammals. It could be using acoustic arrays that get stuck out there so people can identify bats, not by imaging them, by listening to what what they're saying in the environment and identifying them that way. So artificial intelligence or machine learning or the algorithms have got a huge role to play in in many aspects of society, but um, we've got a bit of work to do in the conservation estate and trying to actually activate them in those areas. One of the um, DOC projects is hoping you could um, share a little bit about, if if you're um, familiar with it, was the Spy Fish program, because that sounds like an amazing kind of community AI-led combination of you know, something where we can actually make some change with the community and doc. That's right. Spy, spy fish is an example of that. When you stick cameras underwater, you collect an awful lot of footage of all the biology that's there. 
but it takes a tremendous amount of time for someone trained to go through all of that footage and saying this is the type of fish that it is or this is how big the fish is because if you actually put two cameras underneath water you can triangulating it using sort of trigonometry you know the old math stuff you learned at high school and you can figure out how big that fish is and you can say well if the fish when it first swam past is this big and the second time it swam past was the same fish because it's the same size you can start to get into the quantitativeness how many fish there are so some questions are about finding different fish and counting them the other was about quantitating them figuring out how much is there so Spyfish is an example of trying to use that video footage and putting it through algorithms and machine learning um, to try and, and try and get people to check that the machine has correctly identified different species of fish or even potentially the size of the fish. So when, um, when people sort of get online at the Spyfish site, they can register and they can look at some footage and help uh, Department of Conservation and other marine managers um, I guess optimise those those algorithms and correct any mistakes, so the machine will learn from that and get better at it next time. Mm, so potentially, if someone's you know going for a, a little bit of a scuba dive in near Goat Island or near the coast of Gisborne or something, so they can actually video it themselves and upload it to the website. There's lots of different approaches, right? From communities uploading their own videos that could be identified through to analysing hundreds if not thousands of hours of, of footage that um, that the department and other marine managers take. So all of that is part of it. But, you know, what we need, you know, across New Zealand and what is part of our biodiversity strategy is that people are connected to nature. And we know that that connection isn't always just about going out there and, and walking in nature or planting trees, both fantastic things to do. Sometimes the innovations and connection we need are digital. Um, it's through AI tools like Spyfish, or it might be through, you know, looking at those DNA results that are in your in your local lake, trying to figure out if they're changing over time. So we kind of need to offer this sort of smorgasbord of of tools, if you like, to connect people with nature, and um, and these technologies are one way of doing it. And it's certainly the use of today when they get hands on some of these digital solutions, thinking, wow, this is we can make a difference with some of these technologies. Mm, so is there any of these kind of um, emerging technologies coming on the horizon at the moment that you're really excited about? Well, I'm a geneticist. I'm, you know, tremendously excited about environmental DNA, um, but I'm excited about all of them. In actual fact, it's about how the technologies interweave with each other um, that I'm most excited about. So things like, you know, we could take an, an image of a lake from space and we can measure the amount of chlorophyll, you know, the green stuff in plants mm, that, are, mm. that, are, that is in that lake, and determine if that lake is starting to get nutrified, more algae are growing on it. Then we might go, wow, that's, that's unusual for that lake. We're not seeing it there. Then we might go up there and, and sample some water and look at all the biology that's contained in it, the insects, the fish. Maybe there's an invasive species of fish that's got in there for the first time. But because there are... 3,800 lakes around New Zealand, bigger than one hectare, we can't be at all the places all the time doing all the things. So using these tools to sort of triage where we go, why we go, and and whether the space of those lakes or rivers is improving or declining, if we can get a barometer of that, if we can listen to nature more effectively, we can keep score and react. We make better conservation decisions. So that's what I'm most excited about. You collect data to make good decisions. 
um, you don't just do it to stick it in your in your sort of uh, stamp collection. You collect <laughs> the data, you make good decisions, and make a difference for tire for nature. Yeah, I, I I was often when I was thinking about talking to you for this interview, I was thinking about just the workload that um, <laughs> that doc has on its hands. Like you think of not just all of New Zealand, but then you have the fisheries and you have all these islands dotted everywhere. So it's it, even if you had triple or quadruple the amount of funding there's almost no way just humans on their own could actually i don't know take care of the land as as well as we should considering the 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 help it needs at the moment there is no way that we can do all the monitoring that we probably need to do with the current toolkit we've got but i've got a sense of optimism that if we embrace these new tools we can make better decisions on them but it is overwhelming. Uh, Doc and Lynn's in combination, we partnered up on this long-term insights briefing, looks after 40% of New Zealand across public conservation land and crown pastoral land. That's a big chunk. And you can't be on the ground all the time doing all the things. So we need to be really smart about it. Mm-hmm. We know in the past that, um, that you know, we, we, we bear the consequences of actions made in the past of people importing um, uh, mammals into New Zealand of people um, sort of not being aware of discharges into lakes and rivers that cause environmental problems, and we have to then clean that up. And I guess if we listen to nature really effectively and respond based on that evidence early, we can very much um, save money and um, time to put our hard-fought conservation dollars into the right spots. And that's our show for today. You were just listening to Mike Bunce from the Department of Conservation. He is the Chief Science Advisor. Nami. That was the Green Desk on 95BFM. Tihei Modi Order. That was a 95BFM podcast. To hear more, head to 95BFM.com slash bcasts.